everybody to the moose room og3 here with you as usual and we have a very special guest today that i am very excited about we are joined today by my dad dale kreckelberg is with us hi dad hello <laughs> so we have my dad on today uh this episode is very special of course another one that's important to me uh, but this week is national farm safety and health week and so, of course, we have to do a farm safety episode. And I'm really excited that we're going to be joined by my dad to learn a little bit more about his story, about, you know, the role that farm safety and, and farm accidents have played, you know, in his life and in our lives as a family uh, when I was growing up on my family's dairy farm. But before we do that, and I did not give you forewarning on this, dad, but it is tradition that every guest we have on the show needs to answer a couple questions for us. So Joe and Brad will tell you that there is a right answer and that is a lie. I want you to answer these questions with your heart, okay? Dale, we need to know what your favorite beef breed is. Uh, Hereford. Yes, I, mean, I like I Louis had Moore. a hunch he was gonna say that. I'm like, I think he's gonna say Hereford and Brad will be happy. So it's been a while since we've run down the totals. We have Angus with eight, creeping up on Angus is Hereford with seven, Black Bollie with four, Belted Galloway with two, Scottish Highlander with two, and then all with one, Stabilizer, Galvi, Brahmin, Keenina, Charlay, Simiton, Delore, Jersey, Normandy, and Shorthorn. Wow. Whew. Yeah, quite a list. I, Herefords are really coming up there. I didn't realize now they're only one behind. And of course, I always have to shout out Black Baldies being in the third position. I just think that's great. <laughs> As you might have guessed, we need to know your favorite dairy breed. Well, Holstein. Yeah. It's unfortunate. It's very unfortunate. <laughs> Jersey is the right answer, but we'll let it slide because that Hereford. So that's what I had for 40 years. So I just attached it. <laughs> Totals on the dairy side. We got Holstein's at 14, Jersey's at nine, Brown Swiss at five, Montbelliard at three, Dutch Belted at two, and Normandy at two. I, I correctly predicted your answers, Dad. So I think we can prove once and for all, I am your daughter. <laughs> my, favorite, my favorite child. Yes, yes. So for the listeners who don't know, uh, I have four older siblings. So I am the youngest, most spoiled, and the favorite. And mm -hmm. it will always be that way. Like I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, uh, you know, we have my dad here with us today for our National Farm Safety and Health Week episode. But I think before we really dive into all of that stuff, dad, give us the really brief kind of history of how long you were farming. Um, you had an additional job while you were farming and, and what you are doing right now with your life. Okay. Well, I started milking cows in 1978 and I only had like 20 some cows. So in 19, so till about 1992, Two, then I got a full-time job being an occupational therapist, and I continued to milk 20 to 25 Holstein cows. Had help from the kids on and off, but I mostly was did it myself. I'd get up like a quarter to four in the morning and milk, you know, go to work, come home at 3.30 and do all the barn chores at that time and 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 uh, 
just did it that way. Now I think back, I did that for like 24 years. I had the job and cows. I must have had a lot more energy back then because I think now I just get, get out of bed takes enough work. But anyhow, at the time, I sold the cows three years ago. I retired from therapy two years prior to that when I turned 62. So I just milked cows for several years. And, and I just got to be, it wasn't as much fun as it used to be milk. And I still miss the cows. I go in the barn, I still get that little lump in my throat because I really loved cows. I just, just did. It was just in me. So I still get sad when I see the barn empty because it's full of life then. And it was just a very warm place to be in the wintertime and cool in summer. So that's it in a nutshell. Thank you so much, Dad. And yeah, I think loving cows just runs in our blood. I mean, we all love cows in my family. And and now you you all know where it comes from. It comes from my dad. You know, I, I have mentioned this on the podcast before. And so if you are a longtime listener, you know some about my family's history with farm safety, with farm accidents, et cetera. Um, so I think we are just going to kind of jump right into it. So I've mentioned before, and maybe this is your first time listening, but my dad is an amputee. So he lost most of his right leg um, in an accident when he was 19, I believe. Right, dad? Yes. So many, many years ago. 50 years now. Dad, I just think that your, you know, your story is really powerful. And so I would love for you because you're always really willing to share, you know, kind of about that day and, and the details of the accident. So I would love for you to do that again. I am going to throw a warning out there. Um, it is a little bit graphic. Uh, my, my dad spares no detail, but I think that that's really, really important for us to hear. But if you do have maybe your kids that listen with you or something, uh, just a heads up that, that we do get into the gory details on this. Dad, I'll maybe just let you take it away, talk for a few minutes about what happened that day, what went wrong, what you maybe could have changed or would have changed. We'll just let you have the floor here for a while. Okay. Well, it happened December 29th, 1972, at about 9.30 a.m. I worked for a place called Minnesota Valley Breeders by New Prague, which was a big stud company. And after we had morning break, I was to go out and feed the young stock. And then that was behind the dairy barn. And there were three harvesters in a row that our bottom feeds. And there was an auger that laid in the floor. And they just had steel plates that they would slide different places so they can load from the silos. And that morning was a, kind of a snowstorm. It was a snowstorm. So when I went out to feed the animals, when I walked into the building, it wasn't airtight. There was about an inch of snow covering the whole floor of the feed room. And then I say there was three harvesters in one row and two in another, and they all faced each other. So I started up the outside auger to feed the heifers, and I started the inside auger that brought the feed from the silos out to the outside auger. I had the two front silos that were closest to the bunk going. I went to the very back silo to turn that one on. And when I wanted to open up the door, which kind of, you just have to, it's like a sliding door that you kind of pull up, flips up like this, and it was, it was froze down for some reason, and I couldn't quite get it to open up. And the auger was running, but because there was snow that morning, there was about an inch of snow, and it, when the auger was running, the snow did not fall into the opening, and all there was was an opening. There was no hoppers. There was no guards over. It was just an auger running, so 
I calculated that I had stepped over the auger with my right leg to get to the leverage so I could kind of pry open that frozen door. And when I stepped over, I don't know if the snow fell in, but I could just feel the auger just kind of tick my heel, just barely felt it. I thought to myself, I better move my foot because the next auger is going to come along and, and pull me in. But before I could react, the next auger came and it just kind of pulled my foot off the lip of the trough and I was then in the auger and I thought well this isn't a good thing I didn't hurt but then at that point my foot was caught and then so as the auger was running I kind of went flipped and I saw so and the auger is probably well there was three harvesters so it's probably a 60 foot auger at least so once my foot got caught I started going down the trough and as I was going, the steel plates that were just sitting there were kind of, I was pushing them aside. I got a scar on my hip from when I was kind of pushing them away. And I knew I was in trouble because I thought I'm not going to get out because I tried to grab onto the harvester with my hands to try to pull myself out. And my hands were just like, like putty. They just, I, I couldn't do anything. So my life really flashed before me because I knew right away, this is not good. It wasn't hurting yet. And I was in the auger and I was going down. And I just just can't describe how I was in, I was very fearful. I was just like, my life was literally flashing before me because I just knew this wasn't good. And then when I, the auger got up to my knee approximately, then my leg was too big to fit between the augers. So then I can remember when one of the augers came and it just literally tore the skin off my leg, right down to my bone. I remember that happened, it was just so painful. So then I was still in the auger, still going down, and I was getting to the end of the 60-foot auger where there was a universal joint, and then there was another probably six-foot auger with big flippers that flipped the feed into the, to the outside bunk. And I thought to myself, well, I just didn't know what was going to happen. I said, I'm, I'm going to go up that little auger, and those flippers are going to just kind of chew me up. But I got down to the end of the floor auger where the universal joint was, and and for some reason, the auger just came out of its trough and was running in midair. And I remember, I thought, this cannot happen. So I pulled my leg out, and it, the auger just kind of dropped back into that trough. And I still couldn't believe what I'd seen. I, so I, like an idiot, I put my hand over the auger again to look down into it to see how that wasn't broke, because it was still running. But I thought, well, I'm out. And I was in a lot of pain bleeding profusely so i you know, went to the doorway because I, I tried to stand up but i knew i couldn't and i knew i knew right away that my leg was gone it just took seconds took a split second and i just i knew i couldn't feel my leg i couldn't move my leg i couldn't stand on my leg so i went to the doorway and i pushed it open against the snow there was about probably 10 inches foot of snow out there and I knew that they were gonna come back to get feed for the bulls, which were across the yard from the dairy barn. So I thought, I'll just have to wait till somebody comes and get it. And because of, so I was waiting there quite some time. I was shivering off the ground because I thought, I just didn't know what else to do. I knew I just couldn't drag myself through the snow to the dairy barn. I wouldn't make it, I didn't think. So finally, somebody came along pushing snow and he found me. He thought I was just sitting in the doorway waving because I was killing time. Finally, I said, I need help. I remember when I, they called the ambulance and they, the breeders had three different farms at that time and they forgot to tell the ambulance which farm to go to. So I were waiting because they had, 
the other workers had found me, put a blanket over me, and I was just shaking off the ground. I was just shivering. They kept saying, don't go asleep, don't go asleep, stay awake. I said, I'll stay awake, and I'll stay awake. So finally, the ambulance came to the flask place. They put me on it, took me to New Prague Hospital. And uh, back in 1972, I was just a sidebar. There was a song by Blood Rock called Dead on Arrival. And it's a song about the sheets being red and moist next to me. And that was a song that was in my head when they cut off my clothes. And, and it was a mess because I know the nurse was there and all she said was, she just gasped, oh my God, because I knew I was bad. So then I asked the doctor if I could go to sleep. And then they put me under and I woke up about two days later at Methodist Hospital. And uh, my life had changed at that point because uh, it was just, it just took a second for it to happen. And I wasn't in a hurry. I was just simply doing my job. I think back, you know, as soon as I was injured, then there was some guards put in there, some hoppers, things that should have been there back in 72. It probably, as they say, wasn't that much of an issue, but it was quite painful. I had, so I was in the hospital several months, I had a bad infection because I had feet in there. They did try to reattach my leg for about a week, but it just kept dying. It just stunk. It was just the most awful smell you could ever think of. So finally they said, Dale, we got to cut your leg off. And I said, you know, doctor, I said, I, I'm surprised I've got it. I was very, I was only 19, but I just said, I'm a statistic. So they cut it off and, and I went back to the intensive care and, you know, I was a pretty good patient. I know I woke up after the surgery. It was like by my fourth one in like five, six days. They took me every day to try and get that leg to stay because I was only 19. And, and I, Got back from when they did the actual amputation, and there's like two or three nurses by my bed because I was pretty sick yet. And I kind of woke up and I, I pulled up my sheet and I looked down and I said, "Well, I said it's short, but at least it's good." And those nurses just thought they were gonna lose their mind. They were crying. I said, "Well, geez, I just never. It's how it is, you know. I didn't like it. It's been a and it's a struggle. Did the best I could, but uh, it's always been a struggle. I mean, if it takes me about fifty percent more energy." to walk than does anybody else. And that's kind of a brief synopsis of what happened. Dale, thank you for sharing all of this. It, it, it's amazing that you're so open about it. And I really appreciate that. You seem like you've had a, a very good attitude about this whole situation, but it, it can't have been easy. Can you kind of walk us through how you worked up the courage to get back into daring and, and talk through that struggle a little bit? I first got hurt, you know, I was, I was, you know, really depressed for, for several months. I know I remember my mom came into me cause I was just kind of laying around there and she said, I wish it would happen to me you know, instead of you. And I knew I was, I knew if I was that depressed and I talked to her a little bit about, so I, after something happens, you know, I was, you could be stoic, but it's always, I felt much better when I talked to people about it, just a little bit, how I was feeling. Cause that helped me a lot. For about five months I was, very depressed, you know, so how it's affected me. I've always been able to do what I wanted to, only I'm just a lot slower. I think people kind of uh, thought that I, I shouldn't milk cows. So when I first got done, that's why I went to school. I went to St. Thomas. That's why I got to be a therapist because they said, you can't be a farmer. But after about five years, I just was, I said, I can do this. It's just going to be slow. So then I went and bought my dad's place and I started milking cows in 1978 and milked until three years ago. But it's, it's hard. It's, it's every day you wake up and you get out of bed. I get on my crutches and I crutch to my leg 
and you put it on and wearing a, a prosthesis, it's always like wearing an uncomfortable shoe. You can put it on and you can walk with it and you can go from point A to point B, but at the end of the day, I've had it on for sometimes 16 hours. It feels so good to take it off. There's no other way of explaining it. It just feels very good. So once you lose a limb or you get hurt in a farm accident, it's going to be there forever. It isn't something like, wow, this is going to heal up in two months or three months. Sometimes it does, but when you lose a limb, it's, it's permanent. It's never going to get better. It's never going to, you're going to adapt to it. And that's the best you just adapt and do the best you can and move forward. But it's every day you're going to wake up and it's never going to ever go away. And that's kind of why you just have to like buck up, I guess, and do it. Sometimes it's, sometimes it's hard. I mean, there were some days I was just like, oh, I just, just didn't want to put on my leg, but I had to. But once you get it on, you, you go and stuff, but it's safe. It just happened that morning. They say 9.30 in the morning. I had two legs that morning. And then basically, you know, it just, it probably took, I suppose it's an auger several minutes, but it just took a second for my foot to feel that auger. And I, I just knew once that second one came that it was not a good thing. I just, and that's how quick it happens. And even if, and they say, I wasn't in a hurry. I was just doing my job and it happens. It happens, you know. So I think there could have been more safety things in place that never would have happened. But I said it happened in 1972. So you just go on and and there you go. I think I maybe we'll talk too much or I am somebody that hears this story a lot, but Joe and Brad maybe notice I still can't help but get a little emotional, a little choked up when I hear the story because it's hard, it's sad no matter who you are, whether you are my dad or somebody I've never met, my heart goes out to you. Your life changes forever. And, you know, dad, I think that it's really important that you share this because Joe and Bradley and I, we can talk until we're blue in the face about being safe and, and being cautious when you're farming. But, you know, when you hear what somebody has actually experienced, I think that that really makes all the difference. It does, and it happens so quick. You think, you know, because I think I'm kind of kind of paranoid about a lot of things now because things are like PTO shafts and just things like that that are spinning because, you know, that auger was going slow. I mean, it wasn't going fast, and still, I was, and I was 19. I should have pretty fast reflexes, but I was no match for that. So you take something that's going faster than that, it's, it's, it's quick. You don't even have time to think about it. It's just, it's gone. And it's too late. So that's always got to be really thinking about, am I safe? Is this a good spot? You know, because because that one split second that you think, ah, I think this will be okay. And it's not. You can't go back. You can't go back and change it. It's it's already done. So you had to really be really proactive about that. You know, and I said, I wasn't in any hurry, you know, but it still happened to me. And it's it's just, and there's so many things out there that are, lot faster moving than a slow moving feed auger. And it's still, I couldn't, and I was no match for the speed of that, no match whatsoever. Yeah, you know, I think you bring up a good point, Dad, of yes, the speed. And also I was just um, teaching a farm safety training the other day uh, to, to new farmers, right? So people with no experience with farm equipment. And I just remember emphasizing, I'm like the number one thing you need to understand is farm equipment is designed for one thing, and that is 
power. And, you know, you may be quick, you may be strong. Equipment is always going to be quicker and it is always going to be stronger because that is what it is designed to do, um, to provide high power at low torque. That's, that's basically, you know, what tractors do and how they power equipment. I appreciate you mentioning that and just the importance of guards and and different things. I do want to get to the next chapter of our family story in this because never over. But first, I'm just curious, you know, Joe and Bradley, if you have any thoughts or or questions or or things that are really on your mind before we move on. What sort of strikes me is that you have you know, you, you have perseverance and you, you accepted what happened and uh, have moved on with life. And yes, it was more difficult, but I just uh, appreciate your, your outlook, your positivity on, on life and being able to dairy and all of that with, without the leg there. So I think the positive attitude is what really hit me. And, and I appreciate that. Well, thank you. Well, yeah, you, yeah, I, I went to St. Thomas. There's a gentleman there who'd lost his leg too, and he just had a whole different attitude, you know, because they said I should meet him because we pull for amputees, and I don't know what that's all they were because we were two different people. He was just kind of sat around and they didn't do anything, and I was, you know, and it was, it's hard though. I mean, but you have to. If you don't, you're just going to not do well. But it was, it was, difficult for me to walk and you know and I and I don't remember what it's like to run I I can I remember running but I don't know what that feels like I can't I remember riding a bike but I can't ride a bike because when you're because I'm above the knee amputee so I'm a lot have a lot more difficulty doing simple things if you have your knee left it helps a lot you know because sometimes well can you run I go no well, I see people running as well if you have your knee left that's a whole nother ball game you know when you're short AK, it's much more difficult. And that's, that's why, back to the farming and, and being injured, you know, it happens so quick and it can be so permanent and really, you can do things, but it's a lot harder. So you really want to think about that. If you don't have to get yourself injured, don't. Say, be safe, because in the long run, it's going to be much, much more fun than if you do. A story I tell people a lot uh, just briefly is growing up. So my dad would take us to the pool a lot, the Chaska Community Center. They had a good pool with a water slide, all that. And I just remember people always staring at us, right? And and I didn't really get why. And my my dad is actually a very good swimmer because he would come with us and he'd have one leg. But to me, I'm like, well, yeah, it's just my dad. That's just the way he is, right? But to really realize that that was different and and it was limiting, you know, and I've told people that. I'm like, my dad couldn't run. There, like, there were some things that my dad couldn't physically do. Certain things, you know, games we couldn't play, whatever. And I mean, there was still plenty of fun and he was a great dad and I had a wonderful childhood on the farm. But it's just those little things that you don't, you know, you don't realize that you miss them. But then when you really sit and think about it, it's like, yeah, you know, this this has lifelong impact and and not just on the person who was injured. It has impacted all of us, my mom, my siblings, everybody. Like Emily said, it doesn't just affect me, it affects people around me. I remember she's brought about going to the swimming pool at Chaska. 
I'd be, I would hop up these steps to go down the slide. It was like quite a few hops and I was standing there and like one of the landings went for my turn. This little boy was behind me. He's going, dad, dad, look, he's standing on one leg. And he was, so he was trying to stand on one leg without tipping over. He says, dad, how can he stand so long on one leg? And I turned around and I said, I practice a lot. <laughs> I always try to put people at ease about it when I don't wear my leg because they're like, oh, it's like, ah, that's how it is. You got to do the best you can, but it's, it's more difficult. Definitely has some drawbacks, but because I'd love to run someday, but maybe when I die, they say you're reunited with your body parts. I'll be disappointed because my leg will be 19 and I might be a hundred years old, so it won't even fit, but we'll have to see what happens. That's just a, that's just a thought. I think they can get you an upgraded model, maybe. (laughs) I wish I could say that, you know, that's it. Our story stops there, but there's always more. And (laughs) do you know the Kruckelberg family? It's like, there's always more with us. Again, I've talked about it a little bit on this podcast, and I just want to brush on it again because I want to do our story justice. I want to do my dad's story justice, our family story, my individual story, our farm story, all of that. And so there is another piece to this, another another missing piece. <laughs> and that would be my brother. So we are coming up on the five-year anniversary of my brother, Jake. Uh, so he's the middle sibling. He works at a cheese plant and he was in what I, what I call an eerily similar accident to my dad. Again, he's working at the cheese plant and he was fixing a piece of equipment that, you know, moved cheese via an auger and, and thinking that the equipment was shut off to, so he could deal with a maintenance issue. There was some cheese that was clogging it up, had to be cleaned out. And he got the cheese cleared out and the auger started to move um, and took his arm in. And of course this was overhead. So he had been standing on a ladder, was pulled off of the ladder. And as I understand it was just hanging on by what part of his arm was tangled up in the auger. Um, And it's a strange detail, but I still remember that they had to bring on a forklift with a pallet. And that's um, how the EMTs cut his arm out is, you know, up there. And, and that's another dangerous situation, but there was no other way. And so, yes, I, I remember that day well. And I remember the phone call from my mother and all she said was he lost the arm. I had, I had known that he had been in an accident. We didn't know how bad it was. Uh, He was airlifted to HCMC and unlike with my dad, there was, there was no attempt uh, to save his arm. There, there was nothing to save as I understand it. And so, you know, here we were, my whole family just flocked to the hospital to my brother's bedside and it was just surreal And I feel like you can hear it in my voice now because my mind is just kind of wandering with it, you know, thinking about how that felt. I know for you, dad, it was, it was especially hard to see one of your children go through the same hell you had been through. You knew what that felt like. Very devastated. Yeah. With my dad's right. There was just, 
it was a different time. There was a general lack of, of safety equipment, safety knowledge, all of that. In my brother's case, it, it was truly an accident, a freak thing that happened. And so I like to highlight that too, because we just, we need to be cognizant of all of these things. If there is no safety measures in place, that's bad. You know, and even if there are safety measures in place, that doesn't mean that we can be complacent. Accidents still happen. Um, you know, and, and I tell that to people all the time. I get it. If you've done it a million times, it only takes one time. It doesn't, it doesn't take anything more than that. It just takes once to really change your life forever. And, you know, I've seen that in my family now twice over and it's just, you know, offered me a lot of perspective. And I've said it before, it is the reason I do what I do every day, uh, why I'm so passionate about farm safety, because I don't want my family's pain to be anybody else's pain because it sucks. There's, there's really no other way that I can say it. It's difficult. I am so, so grateful that my dad and my brother are both still here, you know, still with us. They, they were very fortunate and some people are much less fortunate. Uh, when they're in these accidents. And so I will put my soapbox away here. <laughs> you know, dad, any other thoughts or, or Joe and Brad, any questions or anything from you guys? I think my big question is for you, Emily, growing up on a farm where someone had had an accident, how do you remember those talks going with your dad or anybody else on the farm when you're talking about safety? How was that approached? How, how did you guys talk about farm safety when you were growing up? Yeah, I mean, it was, I always knew why and how my dad had lost his leg. That was something that my parents were always very open about, like being very clear that like, this is what happened to dad. This is why he does not have a leg. Um, and so I think they did a really good job of just creating that awareness right away. And, and yeah, and so that, you know, for us as kids, and of course, we grew up on a farm, there were five of us, like, we did dumb stuff. We did very dangerous stuff. <laughs> we're lucky that we're alive. Um, but, you know, we, we definitely, you know, did have that kind of added awareness. PTOs were always really pointed out to us. And those were, you know, I think, you know, pretty strict of like, you know, kids, you stay away from these. These, these entanglement risks, stay away from them. Um, you know, that was, that was really emphasized. And, you know, at, at the time, you know, when I'm six, seven years old, you get like, okay, yep, dangerous. Like, got it. Parents are telling me to stay away from. And it has been kind of interesting just as I have, you know, grown professionally now in this field and, and study it and work with it, you know, intimately every day you know, just realizing how dangerous it, it really is. And, you know, how, you know, it's like when your parents tell you like, this could kill you, you know, like they mean it. And it, it comes from, in my family's case, you know, a place of experience of, I don't want my child to go through what I did. And, and unfortunately that happened with my brother. And again, that's, that's how accidents work, right? They're accidents. You, you can't control who's, who's going to get into them and when it's going to happen. But yeah, you know, it definitely, I feel like we did have a, a heightened sense of, 
of safety on our farm. And again, I mean, we were kids. We were all young and dumb once. Um, you know, it wasn't perfect. I remember playing in gravity boxes full of corn and, and all the other dangerous things. But, you know, I am grateful now just for those experiences and and for, you know, especially my dad's openness. He would always answer our questions, you know, about his leg. We'd have friends over. He would pull up his pant leg, show them the prosthetic. Uh, he's always been really open about it, which I think in my mind, I feel like it helps with his healing, but also helps with our healing and understanding. And especially when you're working with kids. And now I do a lot of youth farm safety training. And I have my dad come quite a bit to speak to the kids and being able to see with your own two eyes, like this, this is the rea reality of it. These are the potential impacts. There's just no replacement for that in my mind. Yeah, I, I am become very, very aware having now a 13 month old at home that there is a lot of copycat going on at my house. Anything that I do, he's trying to do as well. The openness with which your your dad is able to share his story today. And and I'm really thankful that you're you're willing to share, Dale, because I think it it is part of this whole process that we talk about in sharing stories and being open and setting an example. I wish you hadn't had to gone through that to to get that perspective of farm safety and slowing down and doing things differently and imparting that on your kids. But it, it sounds like you've, well, you've clearly set a great example for Emily as she's moved into the field. Can you kind of tell me your mindset as you introduced kids to things that you knew were dangerous? That's just the way farming is. There's things that are dangerous and there's not a whole lot you can do about it. They didn't know, but had a lot of anxiety when there's like power takeoffs were going, like filling silo or chopping corn or something. I just, always in the back of my mind, I always be thinking, really, just don't make it hurt. Just take your time and and don't be in a hurry because I don't care how long it takes to do it because I just know how fast it can happen. You know, and even if you're careful, you can still slip or do something and it's and it's and it's too late. So yeah, I had I did I didn't express a lot, but I was always. Glad when I was always glad when winter came when all the equipment went into the shed and we we're done. Just milk the cows because the barn cleaner's pretty safe, you know. The the pipeline milking there was nothing that was really altered that was going to be too dangerous. But my worst was like filling silo because that was just a lot of stuff moving and going and just one thing power takeoff thing after another. So that was always my I was always glad when that was done. I know my son Jake who lost his arm. I know my got the phone call from the cheese plant one morning. I just was devastated. But Jake has really adjusted well to it. And I know one time made the comments says, well, you did that. So I guess I will too. And sometimes we'll be on the farm and he has, he works out and he has steers. We'll be doing things together. He said one day, he said, well, dad, between me having two legs and you having two arms, we can do a lot together. So it's just kind of how you look at, it. you know, he'd be my gopher, and he, you know, because there's some things he can't do. And one time we even talked about it. I said, Jake, you know, what do you think? You think it's worse having an arm or a leg missing? And he said, well, Dad, I think I'd rather have my arm missing because I can, you can't run and you can't go up these hills and you can't do a lot of things. And, and I know there's things I can't do, but at least I can get up and go. And you and you can. And I said, well, in my perspective, I have both my hands because I can do much. So it's just interesting. I think if something happens, how you adapt to it, you hope you don't ever have to. Because it's not a good thing to do, but 
but how you just kind of, you know, this is how it is, and I've been doing the best I can. So I was just, just that one day, Jay said, yeah, well, between the two of us, we're complete. And I said, all right, you know, I guess if you're going to look at it some way, that's the way to look at it. I know I always joke. I'm like, oh, yeah, two farmers, six limbs. The math kind of checks out there. But yeah. just kind of a little anecdote. I remember shortly after my brother's accident, I mean, it had been less than a year. And I went out to the farm one day and him and my dad had been working on something and my brother was still getting used to his prosthetic arm. <laughs> and I walk out and there's Jake standing there wearing the arm, kind of futzing around with it. And my dad's standing there with him holding a screwdriver. <laughs> He's like, all right, well, I think if we do this, that will fix it. Then you can bend your elbow. And then kind of struck me as funny that I'm like, you know, for anybody else, like, like this is just normal for us. Like, oh yeah, you know, that they just help each other fix their prosthetics. Like, and that's our new normal. And it, it, it's funny, you know, we, we are a family, we cope with humor. So we do like to make jokes and laugh about it. Um, you know, but, but I, I would give anything to not have that story to tell, you know? Um, so I think with that, we're going to wrap it there. Uh, we have really talked about a lot. I know, you know, this was a lot of story time, um, a lot of heavy stuff, but, you know, I'm so grateful to my dad for being on, for sharing his story. Grateful to, to all of you listening for, for letting you share our story. You know, I tell people, my family allows you all into our darkest days for a reason, you know, I hope that you really get something from this message and that it helps you think again about the way you farm and the way you practice safety on your farm. So with that, I am going to say if you have questions or comments, I am not going to accept scathing rebuttals on this episode. You can always email us at themoosroom at umn.edu. That's T-H-E. M-O-O-S-R-O-O-M at umn.edu. You can find us on Twitter at UMN Farm Safety and at UMN Moose Room. Again, this week is National Farm Safety and Health Week. You can learn more about that from UMASH, the Upper Midwest Egg Safety and Health Center. And you can also learn more by visiting the National Education Center for Agricultural Safety website. They are the ones that put on National Farm Safety and Health Week. So we hope that you stay safe this harvest season and stay safe all year round. Farm safety is not limited to just one week in the year. It is every single week, 24-7, 365. Thank you so much. Thank you again to my dad, Dale, for joining us for this episode. And we will see you or... We will talk to you all next time. Bye. Bye.